Hello and welcome to Need2Go. Need2Go is a podcast meant to help you take your learning on the go. Our goal is to support administrators, tech coordinators, educators, and just anyone in their learning journey. So whether you are at home, work, the gym, or on your commute, we are glad you're joining us. Now for the latest episode of Need2Go. Welcome to another episode of Need2Go. We're excited for this, I would guess I would call it kind of a bonus episode. We thought that in April, considering the circumstances, that we would kind of jump on and do a, a quick bonus episode and some social media tips, some ideas, maybe some communication solutions. And so for this episode, um, I am joined by Alyssa. Alyssa is our Nita content coordinator, content creator, everything content. And so she does have a lot of expertise and experience with this type of stuff. And I know a lot of you are um, experiencing different levels of content creation, communication, whether it's with your schools or your parents or students. And so we thought this bonus episode uh, might be helpful for everyone. So we're kind of going to cover, I think, a hodgepodge of different things and um, kind of go with that. How's that sound, Alyssa? Yeah, that sounds great. Um, I'm excited to be on. Usually I am the one behind the scenes editing it. So I'm excited to share with you guys some of these tips and tricks we have because I know that everybody right now could use a little extra help. Absolutely. I think, um, I guess I'm going to start with Zoom. I don't know um, how many schools out there are using Zoom. It seems to be a lot, whether you're using it as a communication tool with staff or students. There's always some different Zoom etiquette things that come up or some different tips. Um, one of the things that we've talked a lot about with Zoom is the whole recording thing. You know, when you take into content creation, you kind of throw in digital citizenship and that type of thing. And we're recording, obviously, for the purpose of the podcast. But when you record a Zoom with your students, um, what types of rules and procedures do you have in place and what's the policies there? And I think it's important for our listeners to kind of pay attention to your school policies and procedures there. I know um, in my district with Zoom recordings, we are doing a little blurb prior to starting the lesson, just basically saying um, your name and that you're a teacher for the district and you're recording for educational purposes. And then your Zoom recording will just be shared on like Google Classroom or district approved sites. Um, what are some other things you're hearing or seeing in your role, Alyssa, as far as like Zoom? I don't know if you wanna call it etiquette or not. It might just be more on tips, but what are some things that are coming up for you or that you're seeing? Yeah, I think um, the recording thing is a big piece because in general, you wouldn't be able to um, record a student in a classroom without having lots of forms to fill out. So being mindful of that. Um, but the other thing that I'm really noticing is that each school is really owning what Zoom etiquette might look like for them. So there's tons and tons and tons, um, almost too many resources out there about Zoom right now. Um, but each school and each teacher definitely should take into consideration what works for them um, and making sure that you're mindful of if your superintendent said you shouldn't be recording Zooms, then don't take this piece of information with you, right? Because each school is going to need different procedures in place to keep their faculty and students safe. Um, so while there may be lots of things that you can do with Zoom, um, use the tools that work for you for sure, because 
Um, you would hate to put yourself or a student in a situation that they didn't want to be in. Um, but one big thing I've noticed is that uh, Zoom rooms are kind of a topic of discussion where you can have a, a class on or whatever. Um, and then there's this option to do breakout rooms in Zoom where five students can go off kind of on their own. And some schools have been okay with this and some schools haven't. Um, but just keep in mind in those breakout sessions, if you're not in the room with them, it's like sending five students down the hall with no supervision, right? So um, when you're looking at all these tips and tricks, think about how you could apply them in a real classroom setting and see if that works for you. And if it doesn't work in a real classroom where there are physical eyes on things, then it probably doesn't work online either. So that's just something to keep in mind when you're utilizing this tool. Um, Zoom is definitely not a scary thing, and I, I want to make sure I do say that. Um, just like anything on the internet, it can be used for good or evil. Um, I think Zoom has done an incredible job of keeping student and teachers' privacy a priority during this time. And I think it's a super helpful tool that has been very crucial in utilizing this online e-learning, distance learning, whatever you want to call it. So um, it is an amazing resource, and I'm hoping people are able to use it to its full potential. I agree. I think... Um Kudos to Zoom too. I know in people people that have roles similar to mine in their districts, the Zoom updates and different things that come out, like last Friday, Zoom came out with an update. It's kind of a pain because all of a sudden by Monday, you have to have all of your staff informed of the, the default changes and settings that took place. But looking at that as a positive thing because Zoom is paying attention and does know that teachers and educators and schools are using the tool. So definitely kudos to them for being on top of all of the security things, regardless of what policies you have in place in your school. So yeah, I would definitely um, be in contact with administrators, be up to date on things, read those things. And then I know we've had conversations, Alyssa, that it's always helpful to check your profile settings to know what defaults are on or off and what types of things. And there are so many, like you said, so many resources out there that can tell you what all those settings do or don't do um, when you're using and the tool with students. If you're looking for more Zoom resources, um, we have a Need a Newsgram that goes out once a month. Um, it should be going out next week sometime. I'm in one of the Need a Board members, Jenna. She actually took some time and put together a really helpful kind of FAQ sheet on Zoom. Um, features. And so if you want to get that information, you can go ahead and sign up for our newsletters online at needasite.org. Just go to register to be a member and you'll get signed up for those emails. So we kind of brushed over just a few things you could use Zoom for, but if you want a really in-depth look of how a bigger school district is using it and seeing if you can kind of pick and choose from that palette of tips and tricks, we definitely will have that available for you. Awesome. Moving on a little bit, I know we had kind of a hodgepodge of things to cover. One of the things that I think is important to share with listeners is the whole idea of sharing information. Like, how are you communicating and sharing information? And I think right now, Alyssa, one of the things I feel like when you go to social media is whatever you post, people are so quick to judge or quick to ask questions. And so one of the things that I know I've talked about with you and uh, administration in our district is just making sure the content and the information you share has clear direction. I like to say, I want to create a post or share information that has more answers than questions. So being cognizant of that when you share it through those clear direction, whether it's related to the parades or things that are happening, you're cognizant of the social distancing rules, 
making sure that you have procedures in place and all of that content is shared. So again, you're not creating more questions than, than answers. Is there anything you've seen on that, Alyssa, or things that you're sharing from your role or things that you've seen come out? Yeah, I think this has been a really interesting time for social media because um, in the past, you know, you can post an article or a tweet and get everything out and ready to go in about 10 minutes if you really wanted to. And so social media is used to this quick information, quick facts, um, quick content. And in a time such as this, I know in my role, I've really had to step back and do exactly what you're saying, Heather, and think about, okay, if we're going to put this information out there, what's it going to look like? And kind of, we've talked about this a lot too, we've got to be a little bit more proactive in what we're posting instead of reactive. Um, and like I said, it, it's kind of a fire hose of content coming out right now where it's just nonstop. People are trying to help and send out resources. And so being mindful of that and making sure, you know, that what you're posting is relevant and um, making sure you've kind of answered questions before it's even gone out because it's really easy to see all these resources and grab them and reshare them or retweet them um, without thinking about, you know, well, what about this scenario or what about this scenario? Um, and so when social media is usually meant for really quick information that's, you know, doesn't necessarily need to be vetted because the norm is going on, um, that's not necessarily the case right now. So when you are putting information out there, whether that's for your students or your faculty or even more importantly, your community who's really trying to navigate this right now in a different kind of way, like just making sure that you're being proactive in your messaging instead of reactive because it will save you a ton of headache and it will save your community a ton of headache trying to decipher what you mean when it's it's always interesting because the person who's sharing the information knows everything that's you know going on behind the scenes and in the decision making process so just be mindful of that when you're sharing that information because the community or whoever your audience is isn't in that and so they kind of have a 30,000 foot view of what you're trying to say and if it's open for interpretation people are definitely going to take that chance and interpret. <laughs> that is so true. I, I feel like all along when you share information out in the back of your mind, you're, you're in the, in the mode of who's your audience, who's your audience, who's your audience. And that helps you decide what to post and how to share it. But I think the difference now is there are so many emotions going in your audience. And so it's not just, who is your audience? It's like what's going on around them and how can that stuff be interpreted because the emotions are all over the board and all over the place. And I think that creates a whole nother level, like you said, of being cognizant of what you're sharing and the clear direction, like you said, to create those answers and that information. Okay, moving on, I think there's one last thing uh, that I think is important, something that we've kind of talked a little bit about, especially when you're thinking about all this e-learning or moving kids towards devices to either consume the content that teachers are sharing or engage with their teachers, whether it's Zoom, you know, whether it's a web platform or an app that they're using. I think one of the big things that comes up right now is media balance. And I don't think it matters whether you're a, a six-year-old, a 10-year-old, or an adult, you know, in, in any profession. It also, it's important to be cognizant of media balance and what that looks like. And it's different for everyone. So what are some suggestions or what are some things you're seeing as far as media balance? I know one of my top resources is Common Sense Media. I feel like I go back to them a lot to share with parents and students as far as ideas for that. 
Are there anything, is there anything that you have seen, Alyssa, related to media balance or maybe top two things to consider on how to create that in your life? I think one of the tips that's been most helpful for me is um, limiting media intake. Um, And that just means, you know, not checking the news every two hours, especially when so many of us are working digitally and remotely from home. We're already on our screens all day for work. And that really hasn't changed that much. I know for me, I'm still on my laptop as much as I have been. Um, But that just makes it so much easier to get on social media and to get on the news Um, the news Twitter feeds or get the news notifications and to be able to constantly get access to that. Um, So try to limit yourself to, you know, what I do is NPR has five minutes at the top of every hour. So if something really crazy is going on, I'll tune in at eight and then I'll wait again until noon and I'll get those 10 minutes and that's it. That's all I'm going to do for the day. I'm not going to go looking for the bad news. I'm not going to click my news notifications that are going to pop up. I'm just going to limit myself to those five minutes. So that way I can say that I'm informed and I've educated myself for the day without completely overwhelming my system with how much is actually going on. Because in the grand scheme of things, we don't need to know the updates every 10 minutes because that's just not healthy and we're just not built to, you know, absorb that much information all day long. So limiting my news intake for one, and then also just trying to limit my screen time in general. It's been really hard because I mean, we're all trapped inside, and so social media is the easiest way to feel connected, but that doesn't mean it's good for us. Um, So I'm trying to stay off my phone, like, you know, after five when the workday's done, maybe checking social media once or twice in the evening, but then really trying to get some of that screen time down, whether that's reading a book, doing a puzzle, going outside, um, just try to limit it to the best of your ability. I know that's not always possible, especially if you've got little ones. And right now, the only thing that they can do is watch TV to pass the time. I know that's kind of tricky, but also just giving yourself grace. You know, this is not the normal way things should be going. And so if your kids do need more screen time, or if you need more screen time, because that's how you kind of decompress after a crazy day, like that's okay too. just be mindful of what works for you. um, And notice if it's creating a bad habit, or if it's maybe not helping as much as you thought it would just being aware of um, kind of how the media is affecting you during the day. I would agree. And that's something I need to work on. I know sometimes you think about when you consume content or when you're watching TV, you know, whether like sometimes I would get on the treadmill and watch a bunch of episodes of something. And now I'm thinking that might not not necessarily be the right time to do that because that could be my decompressed time or my mm-hmm. time to be away from the screen considering the circumstances and how, things are changing as far as consuming content. But I think everybody works differently and everybody processes differently. So you have to find that balance of what works for you and set those limitations. And, and like you said, with littles, it looks different because it's hard, but they're watching everything that you do as well. And so being able to be that model is a good um, step in the right direction too, for what it looks like for them. Any other last tips or tricks that you think we should mention or things that we didn't cover. I know you mentioned the Zoom information that we'll share out in our newsgram. And again, this is just a, this is kind of a bonus episode. We'll have another one later in the month. So we're hoping that this is helpful to everyone. And I know Nita has um, shared information of how to be a support. The podcast is just one way. Um, You've got the information. We do have the Google, the Google 
phone number that you can reach out if you have specific questions for support from anyone. Anything else we might be missing? Yeah, I think the I think just my closing thoughts would be um, I hope this episode was helpful. This was not an episode that was meant to tech shame anybody. We all know that everybody is doing the absolute best that they can. Um, and so we hope hopefully you found this podcast as a resource of something that maybe you could try implementing just one or two of these things. Heather and I are definitely not the experts. Um, we are also just doing the best we can in this crazy time. Um, and so these are just kind of the things that we have seen help us and help some of the people in our professional circles. Um, but yes, talking about the episode we'll have coming out in two weeks, um, we're actually hoping to do that live. Um, so there's gonna be a little bit more information coming out about that later. Heather is gonna go ahead and go live on one of these Zoom links and then um, you can watch us record this, the next episode while it's actually going on and there will be an opportunity for some Q&A. So if you follow Nita on social media, which you should, it is at your Nita on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can go ahead and get registered to watch that live podcast and we are pretty excited about recording it. Perfect. I'm excited. It'll be a, another fun one and again, a, another opportunity to uh, learn from us and share information. And the great thing about it is there'll be a recording too. So if it's not your time to consume content, we can make it so that it's convenient for you. So thanks for joining in this episode. And uh, as always, Need to Go is here for you to listen when you need to. Thanks.